I can't believe that this month has flown by so quickly and that this is our final session in our October Lunch and Learn series. Um, if this is your first time or your fourth time joining us, we're really glad that you're here. Um, you probably know this already, but I want to keep uh, putting it out there that we do post the recordings from these sessions on our website. Um, and so you can catch up on this series at any point. And I would actually even encourage you if you've um, missed any of our previous series, there's some really good talks out there that are online. We've done some stuff on calling, on cultural apologetics. Last fall, we did a series on the state of reconciliation in America um, that were all really encouraging and insightful. And so if you have a chance and are looking for something to listen to, I'd encourage you to check out our website, actually, I can, there we go. Um, you can watch any of any of the sessions um, on our website at faithandworkchicago.com. Um, I think I've met everybody on the call, but if I don't know you, my name is Melissa Mackey. I'm the director of Faith and Work Chicago, the ministry of Crew City and Holy Trinity Church. And we're committed to helping the scattered church live out our faith in the context of our daily work for the good of our city and the glory of God. Uh, this month, as I said, we've been talking a lot about work that restores and we've been seeking to understand how our daily work can be part of God's means of bringing about mercy and justice. And I just was thinking this morning how we just so often think about mercy and justice as something that's kind of outside of us or too big for us to really make any kind of difference in. Um, but I think what I've really enjoyed hearing from all of our speakers this month is that it, it really has so much to do with the posture of our hearts and having our eyes open to what God's doing around us um, you know, I think about questions like, are, are we looking around and just even seeing the injustice or brokenness in our workplace or city? You know, do we believe that the gospel and that as the people of God, they, we have something to say to that and that we have agency to engage? I was thinking about last week, Missy Wallace shared about um, how the gospel calls us to see both individual and systemic brokenness. Um, and two weeks ago, we heard from David Dillon and Michael Allen involved with Together Chicago. I was thinking last week about Ben Nussbaum, uh, who's working with Rework Training, and how really all of those things came about because people were aware of injustice and pain around them, and they saw people who didn't have the kind of access that they had, and they had their hands open to the Lord to ask what, what is it that they could do? How could they um, offer themselves and their platforms, their networks, um, their resources? Uh, and the Lord really gave them paths to engage. Um, so... I'm excited uh, for our final session this week and for Kimberly Deckel, who is going to talk to us about building beloved community through the workplace. Um, Kimberly is an Anglican priest. She is serving in a new role in Austin. I think she'll probably tell us a little bit about that. Um, she is getting ready to move. So she said she's got some moving boxes behind her. Um, she also has a, a background in social work. And I've had a few opportunities to hear Kimberly speak and I'm super thankful that she was willing to join us today. So. Uh, we'll plan to have some Q&A time towards the end, some, some interaction and discussion. So if you have any questions as we go along, as always, you can feel free to just drop those in the chat or you can send them directly to me if you prefer. Um, and we'll definitely try to, to get to that as we uh, wrap up our time together in the next hour. But this is always a lot of me talking and I want to give as much time as possible to Kimberly. So I'm going to have you take it away for us. And do I need to ask you to unmute or are you able? There we go. Perfect. All right. Thanks. Welcome, Kimberly. Thanks for being with us. Hey, so it's really good to be with you all. Um, I don't know about you all, but I feel like so here in Phoenix, it's 10 a.m. I know it's lunchtime there, um, but I know sometimes like in the busyness of our days, 
um, we don't find much time to like slow down. Um, and I often need to do that. And so I'd love to just pray to open us just to kind of center us um, just as we take the time to kind of pause here together today, just to kind of listen and learn um, about what the Lord has to share with us about beloved community. So I'll open us in prayer and then I'll share a little bit more and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for the opportunity um, to be people who are curious, people who are always learning, Lord. We thank you that you set that example for us, um, that you are someone who invites us to learn and to question and to doubt and to challenge things, God. I pray that just as we um, listen today, as, as I share about beloved community, Lord, that you just maybe challenge all of us in different ways, that you build um, a curiosity, that you cause us to ask questions and maybe wrestle with some of the content a bit, Lord, and, and to think about how it applies to our own um, context, Lord. I pray that we um, can just find pause and rest in this time too, um, even if it is a time of learning, Lord. And I thank you for each person that is with us today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So like Melissa said, I'm Kimberly. I'm in Phoenix right now, um, but my family and I are in a transition to Austin. So we'll be moving in about three weeks to Austin. Um, I'm a priest in the Anglican Church in North America. And so we have diocese or sort of um, affinity groups of churches and they're not really geographical. So the church that I was pastoring at here in Phoenix is in the same diocese as the church that we'll be in in Austin. And so um, we're thankful we have like some friends there and it's a church that we already know um, well and love. And so we're excited about that. But if any of you have ever done a cross country move, you know that we may be feeling a little frazzled right now. Um, but we're thankful and I'm thankful for the opportunity, like even in just the, the busyness of life to pause um, and just kind of slow down and to be able to connect with people in Chicago. And I think like I was kind of looking at the chat, it looks like everybody is in Chicago. Um, I don't know if you if you typically have people join from other places, Melissa, but it's good to be with you all. I'm from St. Louis originally, so I know cold gray weather, not quite as cold and gray as Chicago, but I do know cold and gray. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be with you all. Um, I am teaching today on, on beloved community and this idea really specifically of what does it look like to live out um, beloved community in our place of work. And I think that begins first with having an understanding of course with what, of what beloved community is. Um, and then beginning to consider what it would look like to bring some of that into our workplace. And so that's kind of how we'll move through it. I'm going to first kind of do a little bit of rooting us in and kind of understanding our call to care about justice as Christians. That nowadays it feels kind of like you have to be like the J word or something like that, right? Like, oh, don't say justice, like so controversial. Um, but actually it's not, right? Um, as followers of Jesus, the idea um, that we should care deeply about justice, um, both individually and systemically, right? Like Melissa mentioned, Missy teaching on, um, shouldn't actually be that controversial, but I like to kind of root us in that to begin with. And so I do have some slides. I'm gonna try to, like a few of them, I'm not gonna share because I'd rather see your faces um, than have you guys just like staring at slides, but I will kind of pop in from time to time um, with the slides. And so I wanna say too that as Melissa shared, I have a background in social work. And so I think that that is a part of why this conversation um, of faith and work uh, and then also beloved community have been really significant for me. Um, 
having spent the first sort of 15 years or so of my career as a social worker, it felt very natural and easy to integrate faith into my work. Um, I was in a role where even though I didn't, it wasn't like ministry, um, there, were, there was lots of overlap. There was lots of interacting with people, um, sharing good news with people. Whereas I know that for some other industries, sometimes that can be a little bit harder to imagine. I saw like a couple of people shared, I think someone said like creative industry, tech industry, sometimes industries like that might be a little harder to imagine. Okay, how do we integrate like our faith into our work? Um, and so that's a part of why I was sort of curious about faith and work conversations and find them to be really important because in certain industries, it can be easy to imagine how your faith integrates with it. In others, it can be a little bit harder. Um, and so I think that this concept of beloved community is this really good kind of foundational idea as to what it would look like um, to begin to live this out. Or if you already are living it out, like how can this add sort of an extra element to the work that you are doing? And so when we begin to talk about um, faith and work and justice and mercy and all of that, I mean, we have to, of course, root ourselves in scripture. Um, and so I don't know, it was probably last fall, I feel like in, we've been calling it COVID tide in this like season of, of COVID, um, I've kind of lost track of time. So when I think back, I'm like, I don't know, was it a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, but I think it was maybe last fall. Um, Tim Keller had a piece come out. Um, it was like a three-part series. I think it was three um, on justice and on why we should care about justice, um, why as a people of God we're called to, and it was sort of this like apologetic in response, right, to all of these conversations about um, justice and like Marxism and critical race theory, all of that stuff that we've all likely heard a lot of. Um, and so I want to just point out a couple of things from that piece, and one um, is that he talks in it about how our God is a God of justice. And so again, that feels like, yeah, of course, um, but it's important to flesh out a little bit. And he says, biblical justice is not, first of all, a set of bullet points or a set of rules and guidelines. And I think that oftentimes that's what happens with a lot of things in our faith. We make it into kind of like these bullet points, like these rules to follow. And then in doing that, we're actually really kind of, it's reductionist. Like we're reducing the gospel, we're reducing who Jesus is, and we're reducing our call to, um, as Christians to pursue justice. And he says that um, biblical justice, it's rooted in the very character of God. And it's the outworking of that character, which is never less than just. And so holding that in our minds and just remembering that our God is a God who is for restorative justice, right? A justice that, yes, like seeks justice and peace and what is right for people, especially those that have been marginalized or oppressed, but also a justice that restores, right? It's not just kind of this means to an end, okay, justice has been um, achieved in whatever type of justice it is we're talking about, but what does it look like for the, there to be real restoration, just like the restoration that we find um, in our unity with Christ, right, in our salvation and in his um, love and unending mercy toward us. And so when we're thinking about this, I think especially in terms of faith and work conversations, a part of what um, has often been left out in conversations around faith and work is like, what does it look like to be inclusive? What does it look like for these conversations to um, include people who are maybe um, blue collar workers? What does it look like for it to include 
people in black and brown communities who might be left out of a lot of these conversations. And so I think that that's a piece of this too. Like what does it look like to include them in these conversations of like faith and work and justice and mercy. And so remembering that this call um, as believers, as followers of Jesus to pursue justice is rooted in the very character of God. And a part of that call too, is to stop and think like who's not included in these conversations. And I think that that's an important thing for us to do always. Um, oftentimes our tendency, right, is to work with and live near and go to church with people who are very similar to us. And if we're a part of um, like dominant white culture, then that means we're probably doing a lot of our life with people who are very similar to us. And so what does it look like in these conversations to begin to include and bring others into it who might challenge some of our ideas and thoughts? And when we begin talking a little bit about beloved community, you'll see that that's a part of this idea of what it looks like to build beloved community. And so continuing on in the piece um, that Tim Keller wrote about justice, he talks about justice in the Bible. There's four facets and he talks about them being generosity, equality, advocacy, and responsibility. And so thinking of those three, those four things, generosity, equality, advocacy and responsibility as ways that we see justice pursued and lived out and used to restore people in scripture. All right, I'm gonna go ahead for a little bit and pop some slides up. And I would just encourage you all to, um, while I am speaking, um, just to think a little bit about, oops, Let's see, slow internet. Okay, um, to think a little bit, especially as I get into sharing more about beloved community, um, what are ways that this might apply to the work that you do, to the community that you're a part of? And while the work that you do, that you maybe like get paid for is important and is a part of this conversation, also just think about like the neighborhood you live in, the ways that you're interacting with people. Are there um, other ways that you're like serving and present in your community? Because this applies very much in those ways too. Um, so I just encourage you to be thinking about that. And if ideas pop into your head about how this might apply or things you could try, feel free to share them in the chat. Um, I'll also, at the end, I'd love to try to open it up for a little bit of conversation if people are up for it too. So we'll see, but just be thinking, um, I like to invite people to um, be curious and to have an imagination. I think a lot of times um, as Christians, but then also as um, American Christians, we aren't the best maybe at using our imaginations, at thinking creatively. We sometimes, um, and I'm like, this is for sure me. So this, I'm speaking to myself too in this, but um, we don't allow ourselves to be creative and think kind of broadly in an imaginative way, which we obviously like we serve a God who is so creative. Um, so just encourage you all to just be thinking in that way um, as I'm talking. So let me, okay. So becoming beloved community. And I think that really when we begin to think about um, 
this concept of beloved community, which don't worry, I'll be in talking about it soon. Um, it really does have to start in maybe the churches that we're a part of, in our homes, in our friend groups, in our neighborhoods. And then we can begin to see the kind of outpouring of that into the work that we do, into the areas maybe that we're serving in and other places that we're involved in. And so um, beloved community probably isn't um, a brand new concept to you all. You've likely um, heard of it before, um, but it was originally, most people have heard of it um, connected to Martin Luther King, as it should be, but it was actually originally coined um, by a philosopher whose name was Josiah Royce, and he founded something called the Fellowship of Reconciliation. And then later on, Beloved Community was popularized by Martin Luther King and by the Civil Rights Movement. Um, and this idea of Beloved Community, if you think about it, and if you think of just like a really, um, like a real lived out expression of this, the folks who were pressing in and doing this work in the Civil Rights um, Movement, who were committed to this idea of nonviolence, were absolutely practicing this idea of beloved community. Um, I mean, how else could you, in the face of grave injustice, right, live out like this commitment to nonviolence? And for them, the commitment to nonviolence and this commitment to beloved community was rooted in who Christ was, right? And that was like really kind of the only way that they were able to press into this, this really hard work of pursuing justice, but also a commitment to this nonviolent ethic. And we know, of course, that Dr. King and others who were um, a part of this, this movement were followers of Jesus. Um, and some kind of more modern, um, sort of depictions of beloved community and some of this work, they've been separated from Christian faith in the church, but it's really rooted in this, like the person of Jesus and his teachings. And so that's a lot of what allowed um, King and others to engage in this really hard work. And so for most of us, the work that we're called to in terms, especially of like this faith and work um, discussion is not the work of those who were living through the civil rights movement, pursuing justice and civil rights and equal rights for others, at, while at the same time being oppressed in so many ways. Um, but if they're a faithful example of what this looks like. So I want to read um, the scripture that I have up on the screen, John chapter 13, um, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also, also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so that, um, I'm gonna stop sharing. I can't, I don't know about you all, but I can't like stop sharing and talk at the same time. Um, so that, the scripture verse that I just read is probably like not an unfamiliar one to anybody. Most of us have heard that one you know, a ton. Most of us, the idea of loving one another is not new to us, this concept even to of kind of like what's um, been popularized, right, is the golden rule. But what I love about um, this passage from John 
is that it comes at a time in scripture that's leading up to the arrest of Jesus. So Jesus knows what's coming. He's not far off from his arrest and from his crucifixion, right? Um, it's often referred to this, this, um, these verses as the farewell discourse. And so here Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's no longer talking to this large crowd, but he's really focused in on these disciples. And he's sharing with them the work that they are to continue. And that's really powerful if you think about it, like we get this opportunity to listen in, to hear what Jesus is telling people. It's like when you think about um, when someone is, is on their deathbed, they know what's coming and it's like the last things that they have to say to the people who they've been like shaping and forming and following them. And this is a time when we're talking about like Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, right? These are the things that he has to say to them. So this is really important to hear. And he's telling his disciples to love one another. And again, like we've heard this before, of course it's important, we all know that. But one of the things too, is that in this time there was tension amongst the disciples. And so that's a part of why Jesus is focusing in on this. He's saying in this, this tension, this conflict that you have, it is important for people to see and know that you love one another, that you're united in this. And in order for them to carry out this work that God has called them to, people must know it and see it. And that's our call too, right, as Christians. Of course, we're going to have disagreement. We're not all going to believe exactly the same things or the same politics or whatever it may be. But we need to be unified in who Christ is and in our mission with him and for him. And so first we have to love one another. The work that we're called to, especially if we're thinking about how do we live out our faith in the workplace? How do we integrate our faith into the work that we're doing? If we're not rooted in a place and in a community where that is rooted in this love, then it's not going to feel authentic, right? It's like we're doing one, like saying one thing and doing another. And so Jesus is calling his disciples, he's calling us to loving one another into this type of like authentic community and taking care of one another too. And so I think that that is when we really begin um, to see how some of these ideas of beloved community can help us to adhere to this call um, of loving one another. Hold on. All right. So, beloved community. So, like I mentioned, um, popularized during the civil rights movement, still around very much, but not something that's typically talked about or articulated all that often. If you're familiar with, um, CCDA, the Christian Community Development Association, they do a little bit of work in talking around beloved community. So what I like to do, and these are helpful in a sense, even though we talked about not bullet pointing justice, um, these bullet points can be helpful in beginning to kind of flesh out this idea of what beloved community actually is. And this is where I would encourage you just to begin thinking, is there a way that like one or two of these things, maybe more probably are already present um, in your life, in your community, um, in the ways in which you are present in your places of work? And then are there things that you can imagine? Are there things that maybe aren't happening right now, but that could begin to happen? Are there ways that you could help facilitate these things um, being present? And if you, as, as I read through these, if you think about it and just begin to like picture like what it could be like to have these things um, present in a place of work, we begin to see, I think, really a picture of the kingdom of heaven. I think this idea of beloved community, that really is what it is. It's the idea of like the kingdom of heaven here and now and ideas and ways in which we can live that out presently. 
So a few traits of beloved community. Beloved community ra offers radical hospitality to everyone. It is an inclusive family rather than an exclusive club. And I think with that, I mean, even in workplaces, it's like, I think as we become adults, we imagine maybe that that clicks and like people being cool and not cool, like won't be something that exists anymore, right? But it's still totally can exist in places of work. And so what if for us as followers of Jesus, we are offering just this idea of radical hospitality to people that we interact with. Um, beloved community recognizes and honors the image of God in every human being. It listens emotionally with the heart and fosters empathy and compassion for others. And that's one that I think, especially right now, where there's just like you know, this unbelievable amount of division where if we disagree with someone, oftentimes we can't even take a step toward um, having some type of compassion or listening emotionally. It's like maybe all just kind of cognitive and intellectual. We're not able to see the image of God in somebody else. Beloved community tolerates ambiguity. It realizes that sometimes there isn't a clear cut answer. And I think that um, in our culture, oftentimes we are told and we're looking for, like, always, like we always have to have the answers, right? We must know for sure, like it's always like either black or white. And so I think that it's important for us to live in and be comfortable with some ambiguity and the tension that that might create. It speaks truth and love, always considering ways to be compassionate with one another. So not shying away from truth that needs to be spoken, but how can that be done in a compassionate way? It resolves conflict peacefully without violence, recognizing that peacefully doesn't always mean that it's comfortable. And I think too, when we think of this word violence, most of us are probably thinking, well, of course, I'm not going to be like physically aggressive towards somebody in my workplace, but violence is much broader than that, right? Like it has a lot to do with our words, has a lot to do with how we maybe even physically interact with people outside of like physical touch. So thinking, what does it look like to be somebody who is um, interacting in a peaceful way and showing people like this, the peace of Jesus? Right. Beloved community releases resentment and bitterness through self-purification. So it's an avoidance of internal violence through spiritual, physical, and psychological care. And I think that one is really important because it's letting us know, it's a reminder that in order to do this work, in order to do the work of bringing beloved community to others in our places of work, our neighborhoods, our churches, um, it does take a toll. It's not easy work. And so we do need to make sure that we are whole and healthy spiritually and physically and psychologically. It focuses its energy on removing evil forces, so unjust systems and not destroying persons. So it recognizes both the individual and their importance and their significance as image bearers. But then it also recognizes that there are in fact unjust systems that we are called um, to remove and that we are called to um, bring peace to people who are being harmed by those systems. Beloved community fosters dynamic and active spirituality. It recognizes that we serve a dynamic God, a God who's not left behind by the changing world or people, and that a passive approach will not work. And I don't know about you all, but I think oftentimes the temptation, um, I think especially probably right now, like we're all pretty exhausted for, for varying reasons and then also for some shared reasons. And so sometimes, passivity is tempting, or even the idea of like, well, this person's got it, they're taking care of it. 
And that's not to say that we shouldn't find rest. It's not to say that we need to go at 100 all the time, but it is to say that we need to recognize that we serve a God who is working and dynamic and active always. And we are called to that too. One of the things I love about Beloved Community is that when we're thinking about, especially if we um, have a church and a people that we're doing life with and kind of building beloved community with also is that we get to share burdens. So of course we know this idea as Christians of sharing one another's burden. But I think even when we think about hard work like this, knowing that like, hey, if today I need to step back and take a break, that like my sister Melissa has this too, right? Like she can bear some of this. So we're sharing in this work together. And then Beloved Community gathers together regularly for table fellowship and meets the needs of everyone in the community. And this is one of those things, like, I don't know, I think that especially over the last year and a half with COVID, lots of us probably are still working remotely. We're not um, in an office where there's like a lunchroom and we're having meals together. So we might have to think more creatively about this, but that idea of like sharing meals or like what do they, people used to call it, like talking around like the water cooler, you know, that kind of thing um, is like a real, like a simple, but a significant way to build this type of like community with others and to live out your faith um, with others. And it's easy, I think, to, at work to sort of just be focused, like this is what I'm doing. I'm here to work. I want to get my stuff done and get out of here. But um, what are creative ways we can think about this idea of table fellowship, even in, in our vocations? Um, and then also this idea of meeting the needs of everyone in the community. So doing our best to make sure that people and their needs are not overlooked. Whoops. Um, and then lastly, beloved community relies on scripture, reading, prayer, and corporate worship for inner strength. And I touched, I think, a little bit on this earlier, but just remembering that in order to do this work, and in order for Dr. King and others to do this work, and to have like the strength that was required to do it, they were rooted in scripture in prayer and in corporately worshiping, not doing this kind of siloed off on their own. And I think that that's true for all of us, that that is what's needed to be faithful Christians um, in so many ways, but especially when we're thinking about the workplace. In order to be in the workplace, right, in a place that is outside of the church, um, we need to be rooted in a place where we are fed, where we are drawing close to Jesus, where we have others who believe the same as us. And that gives us the strength to then begin to incorporate our faith into places of work. It allows us to begin to incorporate this idea of justice into our places of work in our neighborhoods and the places that we're serving. So that's just, those are just a few of the, the traits of beloved community, but I think that gives you a little bit of um, kind of a foundation and idea of this. I think too, that this is, this isn't like an, ex, an exhaustive list. Like it, you could add and add and add to it. Um, I think depending on the context that you're in, um, here, I'm gonna stop. Uh, I think depending on the context that you're in, there may be some things that would apply really uniquely to your place of work and how you could bring people this um, idea of beloved community and begin to kind of build this. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I also often hear people, followers of Jesus talking about their faith and their places of work and maybe how hard the places that they work, maybe fellow employees or bosses um, or an ethic at the place that they work that does not align with Jesus. And of course it doesn't, right? But how can we as his faithful followers begin to, um, you know, slowly just integrate some of our own um, faith 
and our own ideals and beliefs into the places that we work. And in ways that I think that people will be able to notice um, and begin to be impacted by, by Jesus and his teachings. So that is a little bit about beloved community. Um, I'd love, I think, Melissa, you might, I'll let you take it, but I would love to like hear some people's ideas and thoughts too, just on, on the beloved community, any questions, how you might see this lived out in the places that you are working. Yeah, thank you, Kimberly. That's so, that list is like, I just want to pour over it uh, a bit more. Um, I did go ahead and uh, take off. So you should be able to unmute yourself um, if you are up for uh, kind of sharing or if you have any questions that you'd want to ask. We have a, a small enough group. I think that um, if you're willing, we could definitely interact a bit more over this. Um, so yeah, I think maybe even just kind of starting off, um, Kimberly, one maybe just thing to flush out a little bit more. Um, I think what you're saying is it's not as if building a beloved community is just, um, uh, you know, gathering Christians in our workplace um, who all agree with all of those statements and are on board and trying to do the same thing. Could you maybe talk a little bit more about um, how, how do we think about beloved community, that type of community that you were talking about um, in, you know, when maybe we're the only um, follower of Christ in our workplace? Yeah, definitely. So I think that what I love about this concept of beloved community is like, so I mentioned there's, there are places and spaces now, right? Um, groups of Christians who um, kind of at, or sorry, groups of people, not Christians, who adhere to or live by this idea of beloved community, but don't have a Christian faith. And so I think that a lot of like these traits, these ideas of beloved community appeal to most of us. Um, and so that's a part of what I think is attractive about it is that we know that it's rooted um, in Jesus, that it really is this picture of the kingdom of heaven. Um, but it, but the way that we think through some of these traits, like they feel, feel I think, really applicable to most people. Like most of us want to be included. Most of us want um, to be treated with compassion. Most of us want to like get to know people or share meals with people. Most of us don't want people to behave violently toward us, you know? And so they're really like things that I think as humans, most of us crave and can see like the good in them. And so that's why it's, it's helpful, I think, in the workplace is that even if you're working in a place where you're the only Christian, if you are living out some of these traits of beloved community, people will notice. Um, but then also it can be easier to kind of invite people into some of these things. Um, and of course, knowing that like we are doing this because it's what we're called to as Christians, but it gives us kind of an in. It's something that's um, relatable for people. It's not um, like steeped in really like churchy language. You know, a lot of it is, is stuff that people will understand. So some of the barriers are removed. Um, I think another thing that is interesting about beloved community is that for a lot of people, like they're familiar, even if they're not Christians, they're familiar with Dr. King and with the civil rights movement. And I don't know that there is a more profound example, you know, of like, this is how living this ethic out can, can work in real life and allow people to do really, really hard work. So I'd encourage people just to like, um, and again, I would imagine that most of you are already doing some of these things, maybe not even 
like not connecting it to beloved community, but just to think about like, what are a few of these things you could begin um, doing or applying in your places of work to, to begin to kind of change the culture there. Yeah, that's great. Um, again, feel free to just jump in if you have a question. I might give a pause to just see if there's a question. Um, totally. And then I've got another one that came in through the chat, but uh, yeah. Any reflections or thoughts or questions as you've heard Kimberly share this afternoon? I think just one thing really tangibly, first of all, thank you, Kimberly, for sharing and for <clears throat> walking us through kind of what a beloved community can look like and the key aspects there. But I think especially at work, you know, I think it looks different in different size corporations. I personally work for a pretty small agency that does allow me to have relationships with a lot of people across the board, which is, I think, a really helpful thing. But specifically something you were saying is creating space for ambiguity. I think that can be a challenge in like our own, just like prideful flesh of we want, we want people to believe what we believe or think the way that we think in a lot of capacities, but what can it tell about who Christ is by creating space for people to have good and productive and open conversation and understanding, you know, just being heard, I think is so often something that people want, um, and hearing their perspective, um, and how it can reframe ourselves because it can be such a shaping, a shaping thing for us to hear alternative perspectives, um, but also allows conversation for us to, if we're open and in hearing theirs, likely they'll be more willing to, you know, engage in our perspective as well. And so I think that can be a way um, in our very oftentimes feeling polarized world, um, how we can engage in those kind of conversations and create space for space for that. Yeah, thank you, Hannah. I think like you're so right. And I think that unfortunately nowadays Christians aren't really known for that. Um, we're not known for maybe listening as we should or for allowing sort of tension or disagreement. And so I think that that in and of itself is like a, a big part of like our witness to be able to like be present. And it's likely, even though we do see more and more like division and disagreement in church now, days it's likely that in our places of work there's going to be people who are who are much you know different than us who maybe disagree more and so for us to be able to practice that right like just that humility of like listening and disagreement um and then also like to do that as christians i think says a lot and it's not easy none of this is i'm not you know not like oh yeah come on guys do it so easy it's not but just beginning to practice it and make mistakes because you will it's okay makes me think about um, one of the things that we talked quite a bit about in our um, fellowship program is how, uh, you know, as, as followers of Christ, we inhabit like a different worldview, a different plausibility structure of what's true. Um, and I was just thinking about a lot of those things that you listed um, in terms of the beloved community are, re are really countercultural. Even Hannah, what you were just saying, it's like, um, these are these are not the way that people live. And so, um, you know, the importance of, uh, of, of having that kind of community so that, that people might not be living that out in our places of work, but hopefully in our churches or, or the, you know, communities that we're a part of, um, 
we're sort of saying like, this is what's true because of the gospel, these things that you listed, you know, kind of in that, like these things are true and therefore I can go into, you know, my workplace or other spaces um, with that, you know, even as you talked about like the ability to do that kind of hard work um, because I, I, you know, exist within a community that, that holds to these things and says these things are true and um, is, is helping me to actually believe that because the rest of the culture around me is, is screaming, you know, something opposite. Yeah. One um, example, like a question I had when I, when I taught on this another time was somebody who was at a bigger corporation um, and, and struggling with some of this, like, you know, just in terms of how often, like people not interacting much, people kind of staying in their cubicles, that kind of a thing. But he recognized that because it was a large corporation, it really was this like ecosystem in and of itself. And that there were some unjust practices happening in terms of, um, compensation for employees. Um, and, you know, certainly there was like a hierarchy there, which, which makes sense, but that there was a lot of inequity in that. And so some of the ideas he was having a hard time kind of conceptualizing, like how he could live some of these things out. But then the idea that like, oh, if I'm voicing concern or disagreement or helping um, pursue equality for the people that I work with, even if they don't know that I'm the, like that I'm the one doing it, or even if I don't articulate it this way that is a part of how this like beloved community is built and so I think um, that kind of speaks to how we have to think a little bit creatively about this know that we're not going to be able to do all of these things but I like to think of it too as um, so I do a lot of work in like peacemaking and how when we think of peacemaking it's the idea part of it is it's active right it's not just like sitting back and like keeping the peace, so to speak, um, but it's bringing peace to others, especially those who might be marginalized. And so for somebody in a large organization who has more power and influence to help pursue this like peace or this justice for other people is this idea of like bringing that to them, whether or not they know it's him, right? Um, but I, like, you know, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how might the spirit even be stirring through the work that this man is doing? So good. I think one of the quotes that always comes to mind, um, it's quoted a, a number of different places, but it's the idea of everybody wants a revolution, but nobody wants to do the dishes. And I just think yeah. that that like, so speaks to like, you know, I, I want to see these big things happen in my workplace. Like I want just as I want to be a part of that. Um, but sometimes it just means doing the dishes and, and, you know, the, like you said, kind of nobody, nobody may ever know. Um, but you know, is that the posture of my heart is that am I willing to engage even if it just means something that seems so menial or that right. there's no recognition right and it's in this like this work requires consistency you know it's going to be hard and frustrating um but I think too like that's why we we remain rooted like in scripture and prayer um sharing with others maybe you know in conversation like the work that we're doing and how we're working on like pursuing these things and integrating our faith in our work so that we don't feel maybe like isolated or discouraged in it. Cause it can be discouraging for sure. Mm -hmm. Are there any other questions? Does anybody else have any thoughts? Is this sparking any, um, yeah. Any thoughts about your own workplace or questions that you might have? I'll, I'll give a, a minute to open it up again.
Billy, would you be up for putting um, maybe the list back up even on the screen? I think, um, yeah, totally. Um, I also see uh, Abby dropped a question in the in the chat too, um, which maybe as you're getting to that. Um, sorry, having you go back. There you go. Yeah, I see Abby asked the question, how can we create a sense of beloved community without just being agreeable or likable in our workplaces? Yeah. So that question of like, it's good. Uh, oops. Yes, that is good. Oops, sorry. Um, okay, so I think that that is even where <clears throat> this idea of um, like speaking truth and love comes in. And so that means that like, I think that as we begin to, to recognize the image of God in others, right? To have empathy and compassion toward other people. And when, as they begin to like sense that and know that about us, and a lot of that comes through like time and relationship, you know, none of this is going to happen like quickly, but as we fostered those relationships, then we're able to speak truth and love to people. And so it's not necessarily like we're just a pushover or like just always agreeable, um, we've built, like we've kind of earned maybe a sense of like of trust to speak that and, and thinking about ways that we can do it compassionately. And I think that um, we see, oftentimes we can see examples of that in places of work done, maybe not so compassionately. Um, and I think that that's probably what the difference is gonna be for, for those of us who are trying to live some of this out is that we will still speak something like maybe hard truths but they're gonna come from a place of compassion. Um, there's gonna be like space maybe even for like talking or processing. It's not just like this like quick drop and then moving on. Um, we I think I answered some of the question, but I'm not sure I answered all of it. Let's see, I don't see it. What was the rest of it, Melissa? Oh, it was about uh, without just being agreeable or likable, um, just kind of like, oh, the person that everybody likes because yeah. they're kind of nice. Um, yeah, so so I think that's it. It's kind of a balance, you know, of being able to like build trust um, and then also being able to still speak truths to people, being able to still like press into hard things and challenge things. Like if there is something that's happening that's, that's unjust, um, being able to share like your convictions and your faith with people um, in a like a direct way, but leaving space for like disagreement, things like that. And then, whoops. I think I bounced around through them, but. Yeah, I was struck again as you were um, just going through these of the, the idea of, of radical hospitality and gathering around yeah. the table, um, meeting the needs. I, I think that those feel, those feel very, um, intentional as, as things like I even think about, you know, what is sort of application, what, what step do I take even as, you know, after we hang up from our conversation, like even just asking ourselves, like, what does that look like? What does it look like for me yeah. to, to practice radical hospitality um, today? Totally. And I think that's like with a lot of these, and I can send, Melissa, I can send you the list of them if you want. Um, but yeah. I think like, for each of us to begin to think about like, how do some of these apply in the places that we're in? Cause it's gonna look different for each of us. Um, and a lot of this too, I think is based in really like just getting to know people and like care about them and their lives, which isn't something that um, is typically like 
I don't know. I think we're moving away more and more from that being something that's valued in our culture. Um, it is, it's more about like numbers and productivity. So just simply like showing an interest and like caring about people and recognizing um, that they are created in the image of God and sharing meals with them and asking questions. And then that begins to allow you um, to be maybe more bold or it allows you, um, yeah, to pursue justice in different ways. So, yeah. That's great. Well, I am just looking and realizing we are coming to the end of our hour here. Um, yeah, this has been really encouraging to think about Kimberly, and, um, and challenging for sure. Um, I, and I, I just can't help but keep thinking about all of these conversations we've had this month. Um, there's just such an intentionality piece uh, to it because it's so easy to go about our workday and um, you know, our lives, <laughs> just thinking about what's in front of us and not sort of looking around and looking at the other and, and asking, um, again, I think about from last week, just asking those questions of like, who, who is not benefiting from, from a system? Who is, um, who is on the margins? Who, who is this not working for? And is there something that the Lord has given me? Is there, uh, is there, um, yeah, something in my hands in a sense that I can share or steward on behalf of others? Um, and yeah, even thinking about this idea of community, uh, I, I think just takes asking ourselves some of these questions and being intentional in our places of work, as opposed to just kind of keeping our, our noses down and doing what we need to do. Um, and that's really hard. <laughs> that's not, uh, it's not just, it's not just easy. Um, but I think about what it looks like uh, to be engaged in, in work that's restorative, that's involved in, in what God cares about and involved in mercy and justice. Um, really, some of that is just, again, opening our eyes and even asking him to show us, um, you know, what, what, what do we have uh, that we can give away, um, knowing that we have been given everything, that God has given us everything that we need, we lack nothing, and therefore we can, we can share uh, it generously with others. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again, Kimberly, for just being with us today. Thanks for helping us kind of think through this. And um, definitely, uh, we'll be praying for, for each of us as we, as we kind of consider some of these things and, and what it looks like to, to be part of bringing beloved community into our workplaces. Um, thank you so much to everyone who's jumped in for this whole series. Uh, again, even if you've just had a chance to be with us today, I encourage you to go back and uh, watch some of the, the previous um, sessions that have been really great, kind of putting this whole picture together. Um, I got the L roaring behind me right now. There we go. Uh, yeah, um, we'd love to have you join us for other Faith and Work Chicago events. Um, if you're a part of our mailing list uh, or, or follow us on social media, you'll, you'll see those things coming up. Looking forward to doing another series again in January. Um, if you were a part of a conversation a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, folks from Together Chicago here and, and the work that they're doing in the city in different sectors. I think it'll be really encouraging discussion just to hear from um, what's going on there. Uh, as well as some other upcoming events that you can find out about, like I said, on our, on our website. So thank you again so much for joining us this month. Thank you, Kimberly, for being with us today and hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.